Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, everybody. My name is Dr. Scott Zeller. I am a emergency psychiatry physician and an assistant professor at the University of California, Riverside School of Medicine. Uh, I've also been the chair of the National Council on Psychiatric Emergencies and the American Association for Emergency Psychiatry, and have published several books on agitation. And I'm thrilled to be talking to you about agitation today. And I'm being joined by two uh, really great experts in the field. The first is uh, Dr. Charlena Wilson, and maybe uh, Dr. Wilson, you can introduce yourself. Sure. Hi, my name is Charlena Wilson. I'm also a psychiatric physician. Currently, I'm the vice chair of the Department of Psychiatry at Providence Little Company of Mary Medical Center in San Pedro. And my main focus is emergency psychiatry in crisis settings. And Dr. Gooch, if you would be so kind to introduce yourself. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you. Uh, I'm Dr. Michael Gooch. I'm an emergency medicine nurse practitioner. I currently practice uh, in flight transport as well as in a community emergency department here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. And I'm also an assistant professor of nursing at Vanderbilt University. That's great. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the perils and the pitfalls of making a diagnosis when somebody is presenting to an emergency setting with symptoms of agitation. And this is an actually very, very interesting uh, topic because so often uh, emergency departments are facing people who are coming in who are loud, who are disruptive, who are aggressive, who may be combative. And the initial thought is, this is somebody who's doing criminal behavior, or this is somebody we need to corral and contain. Uh, and what they might not immediately recognize is that some of these symptoms are ubiquitous and are not just due to bad behavior or a psychiatric diagnosis, but also can be emblematic uh, or paradigmatic of some medical conditions. So let's talk about how we get a differential diagnosis working. And when we're immediately presented with somebody who is showing symptoms of agitation, what is our goal when we're we're trying to do something, which often needs to be made in a matter of moments, because sometimes this is a, a seriously life or death situation and uh, making the wrong decision can have some bad outcomes. So if somebody comes into an emergency department, let's say, and they're loud, they're screaming, they're maybe being brought in by police or paramedics and have to be either you know, restrained by hand or restrained by physical means such as they're on a gurney and they've got restraints to arms, legs, midsection, uh, and they're calling you all sorts of names and all things like that. Uh, Thinking as a medical clinician, as both of you are, what is the first thing you think of besides safety, of course, which is paramount, but as a clinician and from a uh, differential diagnosis standpoint, uh, what's the first kind of things you're thinking about as you try to uh, differentiate what's going on and how you can help this individual? Uh, Dr. Gooch, let's start with you. 
I think the first two things I want to think about besides safety is, is this something tox or is this something endocrine? And have to think about what are those differentials that might make this appear to be a mental illness that actually could be metabolic or could be something that's totally not even related to their mental well-being and try to run through those differentials real quickly. Sometimes the history we can get from EMS or from law enforcement or sometimes even the patient, if they're able to give us a little bit to give us an idea about how quickly this transitioned from normal to agitated. And that sometimes is really helpful. Dr. Wilson, what, what, what can you add to that? I completely agree. I think it can be very easy to automatically assume that this is a psychiatric problem, um, but it is important to first rule out any medical problems. And, you know, in order to do that, getting as much history as you can. Um, and part of that is getting history even from the patient themselves if they're able to. Um, and so part of that approach is trying to reassure, calm the patient, get as much history as possible. And also, like Dr. Gooch said, getting history from anyone else you can, from EMS, from any family members that may have come in with the patient to really try to um, elucidate what the cause of the agitation is. Excellent points, both of you. Thank you so much. And while we're thinking about this in this differential, let's identify for our audience some of the things that cause agitation that are non-psychiatric, because uh, one one of the, the problems with it is that as you both identified, maybe they're metabolic or maybe they're due to some kind of uh, other situation such as uh, a CVA or, or, or an, an embolism or um, you know the other kinds of things that we might think of such as poisoning or head trauma and things like that. These can be life-threatening conditions. And if we make the wrong turn and just assume this is somebody who is quote unquote just psych, uh, we, we might actually be really, really missing the boat and, and putting our patient in serious jeopardy. So um, so what would be some pearls we can share with our audience about how we can make sure that we're not just confining, uh, consigning this patient to being a psychiatric condition and that we should actually be taking a deeper look? What do you say? Let's start with you, Dr. Wilson. Well, I would say one of the major things when we're looking at differential is delirium. Um, because delirium can also present with agitation. And delirium itself, you know, is a huge kind of umbrella diagnosis that can have many causes, but that's something you definitely want to be on the lookout for. Um, and one of the major things about delirium is the level of consciousness that's waxing and waning. Um, they're kind of going in and out, and they're very, very confused and very disoriented. Um, so if you see those symptoms, you definitely want to be thinking um, about delirium. Um, especially if you don't have a psych history. Um, and I would say another thing that I want to always look at is vital signs and physical exam. It can be difficult to get a good physical exam um, on somebody when they're agitated, um, admittedly so, but we want to try our best to see if there are any symptoms that could clue us in that something else is going on, um, specifically vitals. Um, anytime anyone is agitated, they're probably going to be a little tachycardic and their blood pressure might be a little high. But if you're seeing strange things like a weird O2 sad or just things that don't quite look right, that might clue you in something in medical is going on, then you definitely should kind of go down that path and try to figure out if there's something that you might be missing. Excellent, excellent uh, discussion. Dr. Goosh, we're, we're kind of running short on time, but do you have uh, some pearls you'd like to add on that? 
Sure, and some great points that Dr. Wilson mentioned. Vital signs, especially temperature, is really important. Definitely, this is a medication interaction, some type of toxicological scenario, hyperthermia, very, very common. And two of the things I like to keep in mind is this hypoglycemia or is it hypoxia? And I've definitely seen patients who are both who can be really agitated, sometimes really combative and become safety issues for themselves as well as us. And that's something we can usually quickly assess quickly on that patient. And as she mentioned that history and, you know, this is no history of mental illness. Likely this person has an acute onset of an acute psychiatric emergency with no history there. So definitely those H's are really important. History, hypoglycemia, and hypoxia. Excellent, excellent points, both of you. The one thing I, I might add is looking for things like daphoresis with the, on the skin, looking at the pupils. Uh, those often be, can be indicative uh, of uh, substance abuse or other kinds of psychiatric emergencies. But you look in that whole picture, it's really important for us to rule out medical causes that mimic psychiatric symptoms because unfortunately like you were mentioning uh dr gooch about the hypoglycemia that can be life-threatening head trauma can be life-threatening uh you know poisoning can be life-threatening all these things need to be evaluated and decisions need to be made uh while you're trying to determine the cause of the agitation and that's going to lead you to the next step which is treatment and that's where we'll wrap it up for here and thank you both for joining us for this amazing discussion Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.